Are you considering applying for a Fund for Teachers grant, but don't know where to start? What better way than to take advice from Maine's Teacher of the Year and Fund for Teachers fellow, Cindy Soule? Cindy is a fourth grade teacher at Gerald E. Talbot Community School in Portland, Maine, and holds a Master of Science in Special Education from the University of Southern Maine, as well as a Bachelor of Art in Social Work from the University of Maine at Orono. In addition to recently being named Teacher of the Year, she is also a candidate for a Presidential Award for Excellence in Mathematics and Science Teaching. This summer, she and two peers will use their Fund for Teachers grant to explore phenomenon in Hawaii related to Earth, Physical, and Life Science units to create opportunities for organic, student-driven inquiry aligned with next-generation science standards. We caught up with Cindy in her classroom to talk about her fellowship, statewide recognition, Brene Brown's influence on her well-being as a teacher, and her tips for crafting a successful Fund for Teachers proposal. How many years have you been teaching, Cindy? I've been teaching 20 years. What was your undergrad? Were you an elementary education major or what no, was your... I was actually a social work major and I worked as a social worker. And then I think when I was 28, 29, I um, went back to school and got my master's degree. I did 54 credits. I think about this now. 54 credits in one year with a two, not yet two-year-old and a four-day-old. How is that physically possible? That's how I am. <laughs> I just decided I'm going to do something and I do have, my mom took care of my kids for me. So I didn't have to pay for daycare and um, my husband's really great. And um, we just made it happen. And as a twist of fate, um, I was in a more um, suburban town, a more affluent town for my internship um, because I was doing a dual certification program. I was general ed, special ed. So I, I actually taught special ed before being a classroom teacher here and there was not enough space. And so they're like, who would mind going to, you know, Portland to teach? And of course, I raised my hand. And then I was an intern here and I just have never left. How many years into your career did you realize that you had this, this knowledge that was missing, that was keeping you from being able to effectively teach science? When the ne Next Generation Science Standards came out, it was a huge obstacle because I was reading the standards and I was like, oh. I don't know how glaciers form. I mean, I generally do. I, I am a huge outdoor lover. I've been to 27 national parks. So clearly, if you've been to a national park, you've, you've learned. But the idea that elementary teachers go to college and we're not, we're not science majors, right? I mean, we could be. Typically, most often, that's not our background. And so I... I have been developing, having to develop a lot of the units on my own. We haven't, um, I don't know if this is true in, in your part of the country, but science has taken, a, and social studies have taken a backseat because of the push towards literacy standards. I work at, a, as you know, a very high needs school. And um, we became so skill focused that there was just no time, right? There was no time for science. And um, I have always been a high performing teacher, but I just felt there was something missing. And so through my own push for continued learning, I discovered science. But I, it's, it's about navigating the line of inquiry because you launch with a phenomena. So you launch with this interesting thing that you've observed in nature and you ask the kids how to figure it out. And the problem is, is like, think of Bill Nye, the science guy or Kratz Creatures. They explain the science. There's no questions there. They're like, this is the phenomena. And now I'm going to tell you all about it. So there's not a lot of videos out there that exist 
for this phenomena. So you have to spend a lot of time searching for it. So if you have a question and, and, and I'm trying to help support you, I need to have a deep content knowledge myself to be able to really guide my class through. Life science is a little easier, but the earth science is really challenging. And so that's why Hawaii, because it really represented the best of both worlds. We'll be creating a library of videos that we can use um, of related phenomena. So we'll find matching ones of home and then they'll have related phenomena from Hawaii. And I think it'll be really cool. I will tell you that not many teachers who apply a fellowship to go to Hawaii are funded because our selection committees around the country are like, right, they <laughs> go to Hawaii and research science. So the fact that you you and your teammates got that pushed through is is testament to the fact that it is was really well written and had great potential. So. Maybe let's just kind of talk about why you chose STEM as, as your focus. Well, earth science and life science are the two units that we were really trying to connect to. But in order for me to teach science the way I need to teach it, back to the whole we're not scientists, I need to know the science. I need to understand. And so we needed a place that had volcanoes and heavy in the biodiversity where we can learn about why our animals able to add you know make these adaptations and we we read about the nene goose who is this canadian geese who we have here who um the kids see all the time who who have gone there and then they don't leave because they can't fly that far they weren't able to adapt and so there's all these little cross connections but the idea is we're going there as, as as learners of science and we're going to engage in the inquiry process and we're going to develop our understanding of the earth and life science so it's two second grade teachers and myself and our our standards cross so it's it's exciting how would you suggest or advise someone in your position last year to tackle this process we felt through the process that the the questions and the journey gave us so much knowledge and information. I think you have to remove the fear of not of not getting awarded because let's not everyone can be awarded. So we we happen to come out on the other side of that. So, but in it, that's what we convinced ourselves of that this work was going to inform. If it wasn't funds for teacher, it would inform something else. It would mm -hmm. inform us for our work. Um, so, and we each have our own strengths. So Taryn Southerd, who's a grade two teacher, um, did the travel itinerary and that was her job. You asked me to do that, I would struggle. And Allison Richards and I divided the remaining sections. So I think it was six sections. So we each did three or was it eight and we each did four. Then we all revised. I mean, we revised so much. We started, we started with I think you wanted six pages and I think we started with 10 and my three sections were probably half of that. I was, you know, and it, it was really, it was really hard. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time, but it was, we had fun doing it. I think once we had that clear vision, we were able to divide the tasks and Taryn was actually really good to go back and reread, reread it backwards to see if it made sense both directions, but read it backwards first. And that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, We've heard that some some fellows say that the most challenging part of well, first of all, they'll say, we, "Where do you go? What do you do?" Because no one ever gives teachers that kind of a carte blanche empowerment. But after that, is student application part? Like, 
how are we going to then translate this into the classroom? Was that an issue for you? Um, I think those pieces work them work themselves through through us talking. We were all we we are all three of us are very committed to community service projects, doing things that impact our local community, and um, in developing the dream and having you know deepening our content knowledge. And we had also all taken a class. Um, to help us with the science work. And so that clarified some things too. So it was thinking about what was possible. Um, and it goes back to that old thing, like take the I'm out of impossible. It, it sounds so cheesy, but it really is true. Like you have to think of it, it's an opportunity to, to redefine what those things can mean for your school. And so now with the platform of teacher of the year, I have an opportunity to, to help other schools see how this can be done. Um, so I have a talk coming up in two weeks, I think, or three weeks where people want to know. I mean, elementary especially, it's such a critical need. Um, and so that's one of the things I'll be talking about is you have to start step by step and imagine what is possible and just just go for it, you know. For the upcoming summer, Fund for Teachers grants will cover learning experiences within the continental United States and Hawaii. The online application is now available and closes on January the 21st, 2021, with award notifications made on March the 30th. Grant amounts remain the same, up to $5,000 for individuals and up to $10,000 for a team of two or more, and teams do not have to be in the same school, district, or even state. Most significantly, Fund for Teachers encourages applicants to focus on topics and issues most directly facing our nation at this time. Our organization was founded on the belief that teachers are problem solvers and community leaders who inspire students towards action. We need this leadership in partnership with our students most urgently in areas such as equity, diversity, inclusion, climate change, and civic engagement. Additionally, Teachers on the front lines of education see firsthand the challenges facing their students, schools, and communities. Therefore, we welcome fellowship proposals that aim to resolve these issues as well. Today, we're learning from Maine Teacher of the Year and Fund for Teachers fellow, Cindy Soule. Cindy is a fourth grade teacher at Gerald E. Talbot Community School in Portland, Maine, where she is particularly interested in engaging students in science through literacy, dialogue, and Next Generation Science Standards. After visiting about her planned fellowship, we pivoted to Teacher of the Year talk and how Brene Brown encouraged Cindy during an unplanned pause in her practice and life. So what, what will your responsibilities be as Teacher of the Year? A bunch of places have reached out and um, I think it's, a, it's interesting that elementary science seems to be a place that people are thinking about. Um, I also know social justice and that SEL are the other things that are big on people's plates and those are all areas of expertise for me. And um, then the literacy background too. So I think I will be given opportunities. So I'm speaking through the main science teachers association that's one of the things that I'm doing where they just reached out and said, hey, we know you believe in these things. Another person reached out and said, will you write me a blog post just based on 
the news coverage and what I've shared so far through my interviews. And so there will be that. And then um, there's some fun things. I'll get to go to space camp. So I'll be like, yeah, if everything, when everything's safe, um, that's really cool. If and when um, I'll be able to go to Washington, D.C. And there's a week long training then. Um, And the other thing that I haven't even told you is I was also nominated for a presidential award. So I just submitted that. (laughs) I didn't get nominated for Funds for Teacher, but I got chosen for Funds for Teachers. And then the other two things happened from two different people at around the same time. And I'm like, what is happening? So the other thing I, this is personal, but I did have um, a tumor removed from my neck in 2019. My face was opened and peeled back and it was, you can't really see. Um, And it's all fine. It was all early and I didn't have to have any chemo or anything, but my facial nerve, it went right through my facial nerve. So they did peel back my face, lift off the nerve, take out the tumor. (laughs) And um, I am not one who sits down. And so I had to sit down and I had to read. So good old Brene Brown was my friend. And I just had this mindset shift of, I was doing way too much, right? And I was doing, I was like the yes girl and I was in the process making nothing feel positive. And so when I shifted my mind, all of a sudden these three things happen. And so I was like, all right, some, there's a message here. And it was really powerful. Were you reading Daring Greatly or were you reading Braving the Wilderness, I think is the one. And then I also read Michelle Obama's book and some other things. And I was just like, just it was just a lot of self-reflection and me realizing being forced to sit down and let people take care of me and slow down a little bit and then this happened and we're all slowed down so um i was always purposeful but i think i was just trying to do too many things well it sounds like you're a normal teacher in that yeah. respect i mean that teachers not that you're normal obviously with all these accolades but uh, um especially now i think with with teachers being asked to do so much that may or may not be in your wheelhouse um, and the drive to do it well. Um, so as you speak to these, these audiences who are asking you for your wisdom and insight and advice, I know that you are, you have, you're experienced in, I think you said social justice, SEL, science, general ed, special ed, but for the purpose of our conversation and because of the fellowship that you designed, what are you saying to teachers in this elementary science realm what, what are they wanting from you and, and what, would, what are you going to say to meet those interests or those needs? I think they want to know how to integrate reading and science, literacy skills and science. And so I don't know if you're familiar with Natalie Wexler's work. She writes for Forbes. So, and she's written for other places, but she articulates it really well. So, so our country over the last 20 years has not improved in its reading standards. So we still remain very low on the list of, of reading skills. I think we're, we're 33% of our readers across the nation demonstrate proficiency. At our school, it was probably lower than that at one point. This year, fourth, or last year on our test, fourth graders were 54% proficient. So, And the state was 49%. So we were above the state. So that was really amazing. And so I guess I just want to say that the reason I feel that these bigger jumps have been made is because of the integration. And I want to dispel the myth that it's impossible. 
So there's no curriculum, right? There Amplify Science is out there, which is probably what I'd recommend to people. Outrageously expensive. You know, Opsyed is doing some free things, but I just want to talk to people about starting with phenomena, showing kids, having them ask questions, and having them learn a little bit driven by their questions and make them feel like there's a place that they can start and talk about how high leveraging discourses, kids talking about things that they're doing is going to increase, improve their written work. It's going to improve their ability to be critical thinkers. It's so important. And so that's a really nice bridge because most teachers believe in discourse at this point. I think we all know we should be turning kids' voices up. And it's hard because we, for veteran teachers like myself, we weren't taught to teach with our voices off. You know, we were like, this is how you do this. Now go, you know, so it's a different way of thinking. But just by sharing my experiences, the student success, and they're going to say, they're going to say, I have 78% free and reduced lunch here. I have 50, over 50% ELL. There are very few places in Maine as we're predominantly white state who will have the diversity. But if it can happen here and we can make it work and it's such a powerful, it's just, a, it's a powerful opportunity um, with our kids to be able to show what I've done. And just, I just want teachers to feel like they can do it without being scared. I've heard you say is that one of the ways that, that your school has bucked statistics is a collaboration between your peers. Yeah. That you're doing it alone that in, in teaching. Yes. Yes, it is collaborative. We had a science task force. We then started, we, and, and our principal said, okay, I need you to do two units the first year or one unit the first year, two units the second year, and we were going to do three units this year. And um, I had started before that on my own. Um, so, um, and I had done some really cool in, uh, integration of Wabanaki. That's our um, indigenous people here. And um it was really cool. We studied rivers and how that was a major form of transportation and how the dams messed with their ability to hunt and fish like they had been and trans, you know, transportation. And it also stopped the migration of the Atlantic salmon who are now endangered. And so, and then the emerald ash borer is an invasive beetle that is eating the ash trees, which the Wabanaki people make their baskets out of. So there's actually now I'm partnering with uh, Side by Side, which is an art grant, federally funded art grant, Maine Mathematics and Science Alliance, our STEM coordinator, myself, to bring the literacy background. And we're, we're looking to develop local units, which, you know, much of the fellowship will also support that work. So me developing my, my own science knowledge will help me better be able to craft those for third and fifth grade with, and integrating Wabanaki studies based on the units that I've already taught. Cindy, before I let you go, are there any final tips that you would have for teachers who are just starting the application process uh, for a Fund for Teachers grant for the summer? I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like the application that, I think it was a, it's a really valuable process. And I felt that way about the teacher of the year stuff too. Um, reflection is something that teachers are asked to do on a regular basis, but not to the degree that they're asked in these, in the type of rigor. So I appreciate that there is the rigor in what, um, what you put out and asked for us to do. Um, I feel like we all felt really good about the process and the collaboration that it required. So 
people might not see it as fun, but it was fun. <laughs> well, and the learning will be fun in Hawaii this summer. Yes, yes, it will be really fun. We look forward to using this podcast to elevate more teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. But you can learn from 9,000 Fund for Teachers fellows now by visiting fundforteachers.org slash blog. Or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you, Fund for Teachers fellow Cindy Soul, for sharing about her personal and professional accomplishments and for her insight into crafting a successful Fund for Teachers proposal. You can follow Cindy on Twitter at SoulCindy. That's S-O-U-L-E-C-I-N-D-Y. The National Spotlight continues to illuminate our teachers' passion, dedication, and determination to reach and teach children. Fund for Teachers has never been more proud to advocate for these first responders and looks forward to empowering pre-K through 12 educators from public, private, and charter schools with opportunities to recharge for an even greater impact and create opportunities for students to be change makers in their communities. For more information on our grants and how to apply, join our national webinar on Wednesday, December the 16th at 6 p.m. Central. You can register for a spot on our website under FFT Events. I'm Carrie Caton. Thank you for joining us today at Fund for Teachers, the podcast. Until next time, Keep learning.